We're starting a new series, Galatians, so if you have uh, come with the Bible, why don't you uh, head in that direction, um, try and find it. It's in the New Testament, somewhere near the back, amongst all others of uh, Paul's letters. So we're starting this uh, series, working our way through the, through the book of um, Galatians. Um, so this book of Galatians um, was written sort of circa around 15 years ago, after, uh, years ago, uh, 15 years after Christ was crucified. Um, and Paul had, uh, the way Paul worked is that he, he would go and do mission trips and, and start, start and plant churches and then move on somewhere else, you know, feel, feel God calling on somewhere else. And, uh, and then sometimes he'd hear about things and write letters to these churches to, to help them and so on. And so this church was planted on one, in one of his mission trips. It's in modern-day Turkey in Galatia, and it was full of Gentiles, so non, uh, non-Jews. So let's just dive right in, and we'll kind of pick it up as we go. So chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me. So we'll stop there. So first of all, Paul is making the point here that this isn't, you know, Paul just kind of spouting and, 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 and venting off his thoughts or his frustrations, but he has been sent by God. He's a capital A apostle, which in this context means, you know, he, he, he met the resurrected Christ and was sent by Jesus. And so he's saying, look, when I'm speaking here, it's I've been sent by Jesus. They aren't just any old words or any old my own thoughts. They've been sent by Jesus. And that's important for us because in, in all our lives, there can be many different voices, can't there? There can be voices of friends, of society, of colleagues, family, social media, pressures, all these things, podcasts, other voices. And what voices are we going to listen to? What voices are we going to listen to? And, and if you're part of this church here, you'll know how much we, we love the Word of God. This is, this is the, the plumb line. This is the, the voice we want to listen to in all that we're, we're preaching through as a church and all that we're believing as followers of Jesus. It's like it's the Word of God to come and shape us. It's not just other voices. And so in all that we're doing, we want to be measuring it against the, the Word, the Scripture of God. And so how does this affect us today? We won't just want to find something that, that is culturally relevant today or, or something like that. No, it's, it's what's the Word of God got to say into this situation, into every situation. Continue. To the churches in Galatia. Verse 3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God our Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever Amen. I'll read a bit more. But in, if, you, if you've read some of Paul's letters, Paul wrote many of the letters to these churches in the New Testament. And uh, very, in almost all the other letters, at the beginning, he'll write some sort of thanksgiving. Like, I always thank God for you. Or I, I never stop thanking God for you. I, uh, I thank God through Jesus Christ for you. you know, there's this thanksgiving right at the beginning of his letter. But very notably, there is not that in this letter. And there's a reason for that. Okay, he is mad, right? He, is, he has got a head of steam up here. This is an angry letter you're going to discover. Paul is pretty angry at this Galatian church. And so there's no thanksgiving. There's no, I, I praise God for you. I thank God for you. None of that. He wants them to know I'm, I, I'm pretty, 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 pretty mad. I'm pretty angry at you guys. Um, uh, in chapter 3, he'll go on to say, oh, foolish Galatians. Oh, foolish Galatians. So he has got a real head of steam up about something. And let's find out what... 
that is. Verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. So a bit of context here as to... Uh, to what's going on. In the, in the Torah, which is the first five books of the, of the Bible, of the Old Testament, uh, to be one of God's people, you had to, be, you had to be Jewish, and that meant being circumcised and following the law, dietary law, Sabbath laws, and so on. But with the arrival of Jesus, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, all of that changed. All of that changed. Uh, and Paul had been preaching that when he planted this church in Galatia, that, that it's through faith in Jesus alone it's his faith in Christ alone that we're saved. He'd been preaching that. But then what happened is these, these Judaizers, from, these false teachers from, uh, from Jerusalem, had come to this church in Galatia and said, guys, if you, if you really want to know Jesus, if you really want to follow Jesus, if you really want to be a, a true believer, then, then actually it's not enough simply to put your faith and trust in Jesus but actually, you need to get circumcised. You need to, to follow the food laws, the Sabbath laws, all these other laws and so on, because that's how you really become a follower of Jesus. They'd come to this church in Galatia. They'd discovered, don't ask me how, that the church, these guys weren't circumcised. And they'd said, Yo, you've got to be circumcised. You've got to follow these laws. What are you doing? And it thrown the church into confusion. And Paul heard of this, and he's furious. And it's interesting. You, you compare it to the... Um, the letter to the Corinthians, uh, which if you've, if you've read, if you, if you know the, the letter to the Corinthians, it's a pretty messed up situation in, in Corinth, right? It talks about a guy sleeping with his mother-in-law. It talks about, it, Paul, Paul writes to the church, your meetings do more harm than good, yeah? But they still get a thanksgiving in their letter, yeah? I mean, those, you know, Paul wouldn't, he's not condoning those things at all, but they still get a thanksgiving, but here, he is furious because they've exchanged the truth for a lie. They've exchanged the gospel for something else. Verse 6, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. It's interesting, isn't it? What gets him so angry, you know, is this... It's kind of saying Jesus isn't enough. He wasn't condoning the stuff at Corinth, but they still got a thanksgiving. But for, for rejecting Jesus and saying, no, no, he's got enough. I've got to add in this other stuff. He's furious. He's so furious, in fact, with these, uh, these false teachers who are saying that, uh, well, you know, to be a Christian, to follow Jesus, you've got to get circumcised. He goes on to write later in this letter that we'll preach about at some point. He goes on to say about them, you know, these guys who were teaching circumcision, I wish they'd just cut the whole thing off. Yeah, he's pretty, pretty angry, pretty animated, Paul. But you might think, what's the relevance today? What's the relevance for us? There's nobody that I'm aware of uh, you know, going around saying you need to be circumcised. Thank God. Um, but what, can, what is relevant is there can be a false gospel that, that, that we can believe, right? There can be a false gospel that we can believe, this gospel that, that Paul preached is one that unites people. 
isn't it? You know, he's saying, hey, because of Jesus, we're all one new man and woman together in Christ. It's not Jew and Gentile. No, no, we're all one new man and woman in Christ. This is a gospel that unites people. We love it. I love it that, that here in this room, there's people from different countries, different nations, different languages, different backgrounds, as there should be, because we're, through Jesus, we're one new man and woman together in Christ. You might look around and think, well, I, I'm different to them. I, I look different to them. I grew up differently to them. I, I, I would never socialize or be with these people in any other circumstances. I don't fit in. You might even feel, and I want to say, that's great. You do fit in, we, because what unites us is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not, not that we look the same, act the same, talk the same, any of that thing. It's the gospel of Christ that unites us. The gospel that Paul preached is one that unites us. The false one was one that, that separates Jew, Gentile. The gospel of Christ is one that unites. Later on in the book, in chapter 6, he calls it the household of faith. The household of faith. The church is the household of faith. United together by Jesus. But... I think there are a couple of ways that we can uh, believe a false gospel here today and uh, nothing to do with circumcision, but the point remains we can still believe in a false gospel. And I'll show you a couple of ways I think that it can creep into us today. And the first error, the first lie is that, that well, Jesus isn't enough, and so what I'm going to do is add a whole lot of religious activity into that in order to be saved. So I'm going to add in activity like uh, I'll come to church on a Sunday and I'll, um, you know, I've got my daily re- Bible reading plan and I'm going, to, I'm going to do that and I'm going to pray and, and I'm going to do those things in order to be saved. In order because Jesus dying on the cross wasn't quite enough to cover my sin, wasn't quite enough to, to clean me up and to save me, so I'm going to add in this religious activity to... Uh, to, to make myself good enough, to earn favour with God. I'm not saying those things are bad. You know, I, I want to encourage us all to be reading our Bibles, to be coming on a Sunday, to be praying, to be fasting, to be doing those things, but, but not in order to be saved. We do them because we've been saved and we, we, we want to know him better. We, we do it as an expression of love, not out of, oh, I, I need to somehow earn favour or, or earn my salvation. No, 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 no. Christ has done that at the cross for us. And any kind of activity like that is done in order, because I want to know him better. I've discovered this, this, this wonderful relationship with Jesus, and I want to know him better. But, but doing it in order to be saved is just exhausting. There's never enough praying, reading of your scriptures, fasting. There's never enough of that religious activity that you can do in order to be saved. So it's exhausting. It doesn't work. And the error is quitting trusting in Jesus and instead trusting in ourselves. But following Jesus is a personal relationship. It's not do this, do that. It's following a person. It's a personal relationship with somebody. It's not like knowing some things about somebody. And my fear is that uh, the error for us in, in 2024 can be that we, we can know a lot about somebody. We can maybe follow them on, on, on social media and we can think, well, I can tell you a lot about this person. I'll give you an example. I, uh, many, many years ago, I used to work for um, a guy called Bernie Eccleston. I'm sure a few, few of you know them if you know Formula One. Uh, and I could tell you a lot about him. I could tell you how he, he grew up in, these, in, in, in this kind of neck of the woods and uh, started as a car dealer, bought a Formula One. I could tell you all these things about him. I could tell you how I, I picked up the phone to him once by surprise. I could tell you all these things about him. But if, uh, if he walked in here today and said, hey, do you, do, you, do you know Steve Hope? He'd say, who? Who? But he worked for you. Who? 
Like he, there is no relationship. I can tell you lots of things about him. I can tell you all about him, describe him, but, but really there's no relationship there. And, and my fear for us is that we could know a lot about Jesus. Maybe we grew up in church or we, we know a lot about him and I can give you all the right answers, but actually there's no personal relationship. And, and following Jesus is a personal relationship. It's not telling, telling me things about Jesus. Yeah, okay, great. But it's, no, it's a personal relationship with a saviour. So the first error is confidence in human effort rather than utter confidence in what Jesus did. It doesn't work. We can't save ourselves. There is no joy and there is no life in it. I think the second error that we can make is that we can think, well, yeah, Jesus is enough and I know that he saved me and he rescued me and now I can do what I want and he'll have to forgive me. Yeah? It doesn't, there's no remorse for sin. Uh, it's like having an insurance policy. You know, well, I've got this insurance policy that he's going to forgive me no matter what I, do, what I do, so I can live how I want, and it doesn't really matter. It's just a perversion, you know, it's kind of compartmentalizing our lives. Well, I'll, I'll go to church on a Sunday, and I'll, I'll be like that on a Sunday, but then, then, you know, the rest of the week I'm going to live however I want, because, hey, I've got this insurance policy of, 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 of knowing Jesus, but actually there is no real relationship with Jesus. Because if you knew him, you'd know that that's a, that's a perversion of the gospel. That's not how, how followers of Jesus live. Christ is just a thing in your life. He's not the thing in your life. And the lie is that, well, he, he can't really satisfy. He's not really enough, so I'm just going to compartmentalize. I'll have this insurance policy by, by doing these things, but actually what can satisfy me is out there. What can satisfy me is this, is... Uh, maybe some of those things Ed talked about, you know, that we can, these lies we can tell ourselves, what can satisfy me is, is, is a, a better job, a better car, a, uh, a better house, or all these things, and we just go chasing one thing after the other after the other, and Jesus just ends up as being one other thing in our life. I want to I say with all, with all love that if, if, if you've just added Jesus into your life, if you've just added him in, he's just a part of your life and not the part of your life, I'm terrified for you. The scriptures are so brutal about that. About it says, yeah, yeah. those, you know, he said, on that last day, we'll say, well, I knew, I knew you, I did this and this. And I said, I don't know you. Let us not be those who, who can say a lot of things about, about Jesus and tell us, but actually there's no personal relationship there. Yeah. He calls us to follow him in personal relationship. If all you've done is add him into your life, like a, a gym membership or, 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 or you know, something like that. If all you've done is, is that you don't really know him. It's not the gospel. But both of these errors, where they're saying that he's, he's not enough, so I'm going to add in all this activity, or he is enough, and therefore I'm just going to take out this insurance policy and live like I want, they both lead to slavery. This whole book of Galatians is about freedom, but they both lead to slavery. The first group are slaves to religious activity. As I said, there'll never be enough you can do. You'll never measure up. Paul writes in chapter 5 of Galatians that if you're relying on the law, if you're relying on human activity, then you better follow the whole law. No good just getting circumcised and doing some dietary stuff. You better follow the whole law if, if, if you're going to follow the law. And of course, none of us can. The second group are slaves to whatever is God in your life. God, lowercase g, whatever is, is God in your life, you're a slave to that. If it's self, you're a slave to individualism, to, to whatever, whatever feels good in that moment. And you end up chasing another stuff, and it's not enough. Both lead to slavery. Neither have a real desire and love for Jesus, and there's no real relationship with Jesus. But Jesus came that you and I might have freedom. 
And what's at stake isn't just a joy here and now, but is an eternity with him. That's, that's the stakes. It's a high stakes game to be, to be believing a false gospel. It's not just joy here and now. What's at stake is an eternity with him. Friends, are you believing a gospel that, as Paul writes in verse 7, is, quote, really no gospel at all? Strive, you know, way down, striving and trying to measure up, trying to save yourself, to earn what none of us can or what none of us deserve. Or does following Jesus really have no bearing on your life? It's just something that you do on a Sunday, and he's just one other person in your life. The lie of the enemy would be that you can't really trust him. He, he doesn't really satisfy. But verse 4, it says here, Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us. He gave himself to rescue you and me from our sin, from our slavery, that we might know and follow him. And that's not to be taken lightly that we can compartmentalize our lives and live however we want and he'll forgive us. It's so that we can, we can come into relationship with him. We can follow him. We can put our, our, the full weight of our hope and trust in him and know him. Later on, again, in, in this book, in, in chapter 6, I'm sure we'll get to it at some point in the series, Paul writes, you will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow. What are, you, what are we sowing into our lives? Are we sowing all our hope and trust in Jesus or in, others, in ourselves, in our own effort, in our own activity, in our own wis- wisdom, or are we sowing it in Jesus? For those that don't know him, maybe you're here this morning and you don't know him, it's an astonishing truth that you can be saved, you can be rescued, it says here, because of what Jesus did, not because of what you did. So you might think, I've done things that I'm so ashamed of, we all have, but you you can be rescued because of what Jesus did, dying on the cross, taking all our sin and shame and paying for it on the cross, raised to life again, giving us his spirit to, to live us, to change us, to, to help us follow this new law that we love our neighbor, we love one another in Jesus Christ. And when we don't measure up, when we do get it wrong, he, he still forgives us. He still loves us. He gives us his righteousness. That is how we are saved through faith in Jesus, by what Jesus did at the cross on our behalf. And it leads to peace, it leads to joy, it leads to satisfaction like no other created thing can because he's the creator only by what christ can do for us and what we can never do for ourselves can we be saved eugene peterson writes uh he's an american church pastor uh, was writes grace which is what we're talking about here the free gift of grace jesus dying for the cross on the, at the cross for us grace is the way to life and the way of life Grace is the way to life and the way of life. We're saved through faith in Christ alone and his spirit lives in us to transform us to love one another. What are we going to choose, folks? What are we going to choose? What will we choose this morning? Ed and Julie, are you okay to uh, come back up? Are we going to choose that Jesus is enough to deal with all our sin and shame Are we going to live in light of the freedom that he won for us? Live a life dependent on the Spirit's help with ever-increasing joy in personal relationship with him? Or are we going to put our hope in human trust? I know best. I've got this. Human action, created things, and not the creator. You may think the answer is so obvious, 
but how, how easy can the lie just come in? Oh, yeah, I know best. I know best. I've got this. How easy it is to exchange the truth for a lie and to be drawn into this false gospel that actually it's about human effort. We know best. No. It's about what Jesus did on the cross for you and me. Shall we stand? We're going to take... We're going to come back to worship we've got a bit of time now deliberately um, and we're going to take up communion the the, the bread and the uh, juice and uh, in doing that it's uh, really for, if, if you know and follow Jesus it's for you if you don't sit it out there's no one kind of paying attention if you're not that's fine but if you if you put your it's a declaration for those of us that do it's a declaration of saying I'm coming back to the cross the cross was enough to save me and all my messed up fallen brokenness corruption the cross was enough And so we'll do that in this next song. Can you guys start playing when you're ready? I sense Jesus this morning would say, what are you, will you put your hope in me today? Will you put your faith in me? Or in flesh? In food? Or will you put your faith in me? Faith that leads to freedom, Forgiveness, favor, family. But will you just put your your confidence in the flesh, your confidence in your own ability? That's the question for us this morning. That was the question that that was being posed to the Galatians. Are you going to trust in the flesh, in food laws, or are you going to Have faith in Jesus. I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship and the bread and the juice will be be at the back. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we, we thank you for your word that is sometimes so direct, so confronting. And I want to pray right now, Lord, that you would just arrest us with with these words. We want to be a people who, who follow you in daily relationship with you, daily choosing to, to follow you, not our own desires, but not our own understanding, but follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you, you don't... You don't just forgive us one time and then we've got to live right. You, 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 forgive, you forgive us. It's a life of repentance, Lord. That you sent your spirit to live in us, transforming us to become more like you, helping us to love one another. Because goodness knows we can't do it all on our own. So Lord, I want to pray. If, if there's any of us here just found ourselves chasing after a a false gospel that's just dry, devoid of life, devoid of personal relationship with you. I want to pray, bring us back to you this morning, Lord Jesus. For some, for the first time, who've never discovered the joy of knowing Jesus, the joy of that personal relationship with Jesus. I want to pray, would they encounter you this morning? We ask it in your name. Amen.